Awesome. Great, great time singing. And you know, when, you know, during Christmas time, if you notice, you know, we try to keep the theme focused, uh, the liturgical calendar. And sometimes when we're doing that, people are like, well, why are you talking about the resurrection, you know, during the Christmas time, it's incarnation. But we, uh, we, we always want to, you know, just encourage people, remind people that, yeah, without, I mean, without the resurrection, like the incarnation is just normal. Right. The reality is we the whole the holistic aspect of the gospel is you have to include the beauty of the resurrection and death. And so that's why we we bounce back and forth. So we want to celebrate the liturgical reality of the incarnation while making sure we don't shortchange the whole beauty of the gospel. So that's what's going on there. Let me um, give you guys a brief snapshot real quick. And I'm going to take a little risk here. And um, uh, we are as far as our calendar, um, what usually happens is if. You know, we don't, we're trying to, not, as much as we can, in our body, not be a, as atraditional as we are as evangelical Americans. And so every once in a while, we try to actually follow the calendar. I say that because what we usually do is our, in our local bodies, we go through books of the Bible. Right now, we're in Exodus. And, and uh, then we take a break because basically because of our liturgical calendar that, you know, millions of Christians around the world are using uh, to honor the Lord. And, t- and the calendar, as it were, retells the story of the gospel, right? You have, um, you have basically... On the advent, uh, basically the coming one, the one who's coming, Jesus, comes incarnate as a babe. Uh, and, you know, he actually is born, he's doing his thing. And then you have, the, uh, after, after the incarnation, you have basically, you know, Christmas. Uh, then you have Epiphany, uh, which is what we'll actually be talking about today. So you have uh, Advent, the coming one, he comes, Christmas. Then we have Epiphany, uh, which is appearing. Um, but before Epiphany, you have what they call like the, the 12 days of Christmas. <laughs> you ever heard of that? That's not just a, a little you know, cartoon or a little song that we sing, but actually there is a tradition behind that, that in, uh, in old, basically the Christians of old celebrated Jesus' birth for actually two weeks. And so what usually happens is you celebrate from December 25th all the way to like maybe January 5th. Okay, that's what you, oh, that's what you're doing, girl? So I'm doing that one week stuff, that one day, Jesus born, two weeks. So if you're like Edith, you fall in line with the calendar. So uh, then you celebrate <laughs> Jesus' birth, uh, birth for two weeks, January 5th. Then you, uh, you have the appearing, uh, which we'll, we'll talk about today, the epiphany. And then after epiphany, what we're going to do is actually we're going to do epiphany now. And then next week um, during Sunday, and this is where I'm taking a risk. Usually I surprise y'all with this so y'all make sure y'all come to church. But I won't... <laughs> But I want to, but I'll t- I said, you know what? Our body's awesome. So I want to tell y'all what we're going to do to give you time to pray about it. You know, remember last year we sent out the little documents and we had you write down as far as being on mission, right? As far as what you want to grow in your walk with Jesus, your personal devotion with the Lord. And we had you write down three major, we had three major subject matters. And then you wrote down how you want to see God make you more like him by God's grace throughout the next year. You remember that? How about two of y'all? Okay. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, um, I think all y'all remember. Some of y'all are trying to suppress your memory because you can't find your folder. But, um, but we did do that. And what we did, we had you write them down. And then throughout the year, uh, we wanted you to keep those. And I think uh, my sister Jenny has been giving them out to different mad groups. Some mad groups did them better than others. But we want to encourage you to think about what the Lord has done. <laughs> Sandra, like, really? Not our mad group. Our, our mad group didn't do too well, sis, just to confess. Just, so just in case if you guys are like, well, I didn't get one. Uh, our mad group didn't do super well. But what I'm asking you as a people of God to do is be thinking about well, what has God done in your life throughout this year? Okay. And then what we'll do, we'll send an email out. We'll, we'll talk about the subject matter again to get you guys on the same page. And then I want us to come to service Sunday and we're going to celebrate. Basically, it's our, it's, we're going to be beginning that new year. We're going to celebrate 
what God has done throughout the year. All right. So it will be a prayer and praise and confession, but it'll be more of a time where I want you to be looking at what God has done in you and through you. Okay. So that'll be next week. And then obviously we're going to have vision Sunday on January 10th. And, and then what happens is you have epiphany and then the appearing goes all the way as far as the liturgical calendar, all the way to Lent. Right. And so then you have Lent and then you have us, the people of God preparing for what I call the Christian Super Bowl, right? Easter. Okay, so then you have Lent and you have what we have Holy Week after Lent. Um, and then Holy Week is actually preparing us for the reality of, of our debt paid on, by Jesus Christ, um, his death and resurrection. And then after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, you have what you call Pentecost. Okay, uh, you have God actually raising from, rising from the dead and then not leaving us as orphans and alone, but then empowering us uh, with himself in order to continue to see his mission go forth, to see worshipers be made in his world. Okay, and then Pentecost actually takes you all the way down because now we're living as the people of God, as the church. And then there's little different things in there uh, throughout Pentecost, but Pentecost mainly is the main framework all the way up to Advent. Okay, so that's kind of the liturgical calendar, uh, and it's all centered around Jesus Christ, obviously, right? So right now, I just want to give you that snapshot that when we, when we pause um, from our, our exegesis of, of a book of the Bible, it's because we want to make sure that those big points of the liturgical calendar, we are celebrating with the people of God all around the world. Make sense? Praise the Lord. Okay, so that's what we're doing. And so right now we've done, uh, we've done our incarnation, our beautiful Jesus is born, and now we're doing epiphany. We're talking about epiphany. And what I want to do is I want to read some verses to you guys, and then uh, we're going to kind of process what this means, and hopefully we'll be encouraged as the people of God. If you can turn to Exodus, I'm sorry, Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 through 6, I'm going to read those passages to us. I want you to have Bibles. If you need Bibles, raise your hand. If you need a pen, uh, you can write your notes on the back of the, uh, the notes that we give you. We give you a program. We want everybody in our body to be navigating through the scriptures, doing a topical study today. But whenever we're, t- we're getting in the word, we want you um, to not grow spiritually lazy. We want you to be in the word, right? I'm going to read these passages to you, and then I'm going to read, actually, um, Matthew chapter 2. So let me start with Isaiah 60. If you're there, say amen. You there? Cool. And then uh, Matthew chapter 2, uh, verses um, 1 through 12, is actually, I would say, it was a fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 60, 1 through 6. Okay? You got me? So we got Isaiah 60, 1 through 6. And then we're going to look at Matthew 2, verses 1 through 12, which is cool because you see him, the Lord, doing what he said he's going to do. All right, let me pray for us, okay, fam? Praise God. Lord, thank you so much that we get to, as a, as a covenant community, as a family, just come together and open up your word, and we pause to acknowledge that, man, if it's just about people in this room being smart enough, about me being smart enough, about us using our gifts, if it was about that, we wouldn't need you. And it's not about that. Uh, this is not about any one of our shows. This is about your show. This is about just being your world and what you've done in it and what you're doing in us, and, Lord, we just rejoice in that. And we're thankful for that. And so we pray, Lord, would you give me the grace and give us the grace to just want to hear what you have to say from your word. Would you allow me not to uh, settle into my own uh, giftings or anything like that, but to submit and just want you to speak. Lord, I pray for that. And I pray you would encourage my heart and the hearts of your people. We need you, Christ. We need to hear from you. So we, Holy Spirit, bring glory to Jesus as we open up the word. Reveal yourself to us in Christ's name. Amen. Praise God. 
The verses read, verses 1, arise, verse, it's Isaiah chapter 60, shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will rise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you and nations shall come to your light and be kings, I'm sorry, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Verse 4, lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar and your daughters shall be carried on the hip. Then you shall see and be radiant. Talking about the people. Your heart shall thrill and exult because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the nation shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you. The young camels of Midian and Ephah, all those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall bring good news, the praises of the Lord. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. As you listen to the text, family, see, the, see the, the different types, see the different forecasting, okay? Wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judea, of Judah. Sorry, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, verse nine, they went on their way and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose, went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Verse 11, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. So you see what's going on here. Uh, We talked about the church calendar, talked about right now us being in epiphany. Uh, Epiphany, the word means uh, appearing uh, when something reveals itself, uh, shows itself, right? Um, And and really it's talking about, when you talk about traditions, it's talking about uh, God appearing as a word specifically actually to the Magi here. Uh, This is where the whole concept of epiphany comes from. Right now, uh, the Magi, we've heard all kinds of stuff about the Magi, right? The, the three kings, the three wise men. And, and we don't, we know it doesn't say that there's three of them. The reason why we, we come up with that number, because obviously the, the gifts that they brought were, were three. And so we know that we hope that, you know, some other brother didn't walk up in there is empty handed. So I think, you know, we kind of did the math, right? That's how we are. So, so we said three, but, but we don't, we really don't know, um, 
much about them. We don't know much about how many there were. Um, the, the, the Greek word magoi is where we get this whole sense of the, the word magi. What we do know, based on what we see here of them, what they were doing with the stars, is that they were probably astrologers. Basically, they were doing witchcraft. They were, they were uh, Gentiles, pagans who were worshiping a false god, and they were using necromancy, witchcraft, to actually find where Jesus was, which is interesting, by the way. So it explains uh, this whole concept of them checking out the stars, um, being these people who probably should not know where, where Jesus is. And what, what we see here in Matthew 2, we see actually in Isaiah 60, I want you to turn, go back to Isaiah 60, it, uh, it, God is actually painting this picture before this star, this light that comes into the world. He paints a picture of the world being in a very dark place. Which is why this whole concept of epiphany is very important for you and me, right? Because God is talking about this appearing, something coming, something being revealed to us. Which, by the way, appearing, um, I think is probably the bad word to use. I like more revealing because appearing makes it feel like, you know, if you appear and you see it. Whereas revealing is like, I'm, I could be here, but if I don't reveal myself, you still don't see it. And I think that's more in light with the gospel. That God reveals himself. And basically, as it were, only hungry people see him. And so, and so in this text here, he, he's kind of painting a picture uh, of, of darkness, uh, that the world is messed up in dark, right? Verse 1 and 2 of chapter 60 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Why? For behold, verse 2, the darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples, right? That the Bible's picture is, is one of, of people being dark, of uh, the world being dark, spiritually dark. And you think about it. I mean, this isn't far-fetched at all. I mean, think about our journey. It's interesting. We have, I was just reading in, um, online, there's these three teenagers who were torturing uh, an autistic boy for three days. I don't know if you guys saw this. Um, broke my heart. You know what, though? It's so interesting. We're so messed up. They didn't even go to jail. Torturing this guy. I won't even get into the graphic details of what they did. Cause it's not even, I don't think it's right for this room, but, um, you know, they, they got, uh, I think they got like a year probation and, you know, basically, you know, curfew. I think they got curfew and I don't think I'm being facetious. Um, I know one of the things they did, they, they kept giving him vodka until he passed out. Um, you think of the, the killings in San Bernardino, right? You know, you think of all the different massacres we've experienced, you the Paris killings, this is all this year. Yeah, the Syrian civil war has been going on for years, right? And finally, it's made some, some news, which I think speaks to us as a people, how people are dying and genocides are happening and things are going on all over our world. And, and, and some of them don't even make the news. Man, they even showed uh, another story I was looking at was talking about how people are trying to fly, flee and the refugees are trying to get out and how people are literally drowning. They're trying to find this place, a uh, small part of a, of a Spanish, Spanish territory, and they're trying to get to it. They're risking their life, and while doing so, many were drowning um, and dying just to, just to try and get away. I mean, all, all neck of the woods here, we have... Uh, the young lady, uh, we had a prayer request last week of a, of a lady who was slain, right? You guys have been watching the news? The young lady they couldn't find in Wayne State? They know where she was, where they found her. Sadly, she's dead. I don't even need to mention ISIS. 
and all the stuff that's going on right now in our world and the continued kidnappings and things of that sort. You know what the Lord is, what's interesting about all this is, is that's like this year. And you go, well, we're in a messed up time now. But no, no, no. I mean, you go through, you know, medieval times. <laughs> I'll take you through any period of history, and I will show you that it's a dark, crazy place, this world. It's, we're evil. We, and we, we had a propensity to do crazy things. And you think, well, no, not me. Yeah, you too. And I wonder, that's one of the reasons why the Lord just allows the world to continue on at this point. Just to continue to convince us. There's, there's no, no really good dude. There's no really good girl, but we all are in need and the evil and the pain doesn't just, it's not just out there, right? It's not just these mass things I'm talking about, right? We see it in our community. For heaven's sake, we just brought up somebody breaking into our, <laughs> our trailer. Here we are. We have people who've moved here and I'm not trying to exalt you guys, but I am honoring you and, and, and our neighbors who are here, who are trying to do good in our community <laughs> people breaking in and taking stuff. Right? But it's not just our community. See, the world wants us to believe that. We, we can kind of go, oh, yeah, man, the world's so messed up. Oh, man, the world's so messed up all out there. And the world will say, oh, but when you look into yourself, there's the good, you know. You watch enough Disney movies, you start believing that stuff. Right? I got five kids now, man. I'm like, I'm getting messed up. I'm like, I got to find some Christian movies. This is crazy. Disney got me thinking way too highly of myself. <laughs> right? Telling you, oh, no, but in, inside... There's some goodness in you. So reach inside. You know, and all the big figures who, who get interviewed, the pop stars to the, to the, to the athletes, right, to, our, to even our world leaders. They start talking about the humanity. And, man, there's a spin as always, but we're, but we're okay. We'll get, to, we'll, get, we'll get through this because we are good. No, the reason why we're in this is because we are bad. The reason why we're, well, I'm interviewing you right now because people are shut up is because we're jacked up. So then we believe a lie. Well, no, it's, it's out there. No, no, no. But that's what makes it really scary, isn't it? When we pause and you actually pause and you go, okay, but what about in me? How, you, well, how am I? That's really scary, isn't it? Maybe we don't even take that time. But the scriptures, sorry, I have to put it, on, put it like this. The scriptures say no. We have, to, we, have to, we have to pause and really think about how messed up the world is. And how we are the product of that. How we have done this. We have produced this. Us. Me. You. So he says, for behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples. Right? But look what he says. But, I love that. But, verse 2b, he goes on to say, but the Lord will rise upon you. You see that? This is epiphany. And his glory will be seen upon you. The birth of our king is described in this passage here. You see this? He's described as this bright sun, right? So you have all this darkness and all of a sudden, boof. You ever, you ever like, man, you got those, you have those shades that like cut out all the sun and it's like really dark so you can get that good sleep. You know what I'm saying? And everyone, you open them and he says, what Jesus does is he's that bright sun shining in on the darkness, his appearing. And that's the whole concept of Romans chapter eight. See, the world isn't groaning because God has lost, right? Because 
there's no victory. The, the world, creation, as it were, is groaning because there is victory and they can't wait for it to be complete. Because it appearing. You see that? Now see, Satan will try and trick you and me to not see that. To not see that what God is talking about when we see in verse 1 and 2 here is that God is saying that God brings in this, this sun, this brightness in in a macro and micro scale. That the epiphany, the appearing of our Savior is that first macro, he's, he's, he's redeeming all creation. Is that everything he has made, he's making new. And he's bringing all things to his perfection. And that God one day, because of what he did on this earth, because of him being born, man fully God, taking on the sin of the world, and then rise from the dead. He says, macro, I'm taking care and I'm going to make all things new. And the Bible tells us that one day this world, he's not going to just destroy it. He's going to newly create it. But then we're part of that macro deal. We're part of that creation. So we're going to be made new too. But then even on a micro level. So you have macro, but then micro. Because micro is what, what's going on right now on the street. See, one of the things I'm realizing as walking around and, and, and being encouraged and trying to care for cats and brothers and neighbors in our hood is that, you know, one thing is that people hear the gospel and will affirm the gospel. My neighbors will, but truly, if we're honest, we don't think the gospel has a practical implication in our life. We don't think that the gospel truly, okay, okay, yeah, Jesus down the cross rose from the dead, but how does that really help me pay the bills, Right? How does, that really, how does that really help me love my wife? Right? On a micro level, what does the gospel have to do with how I do life? If some of us have an impotent gospel like that, right, where the gospel is good for one day, God's going to make all things new and we're going to be awesome and, and I won't have asthma and all that stuff, right? But for right now, I just don't see how it really applies. But that's what the epiphany is all about. Jesus becoming a baby, and coming into the world as a missionary, as the first, as it were, missionary to the world. To tell the world that the gospel matters, not only macro, that God is going to do something over all creation, but even micro, specifically in your life, just as he is a baby and grows up and lives a life, he's saying, I'm going to be in you and with you, and I'm, you matter to me now. And that the gospel is about how you live life now. So on a micro level, what God does is he appears. God reveals himself. Now the question is, do you receive that revelation? Do you receive that appearing? That's another discussion. I bring that up because Satan tries to trick you and me, right? To not help us understand the epiphany. We're held captive to lies, right? It's like some of us, we, we live in these like invisible prisons. And we're, we're held captive to different strongholds. Different things in our life that tell us, no, you know what? The gospel isn't um, in one day, but not right now. The gospel doesn't free me from these things. Who's in shackles? Who's walking around right now saying that it's time to give up? Epiphany is for you. I, I, it breaks my heart, fam. But I can, you know, I, I've, I've talked about my friend who's, who's getting a divorce right now. Brother, you know, Cornell grad, went to seminary, was a pastor. Right, and something happened where he just where where he the disconnect where the stronghold 
was too much. The invisible prison was to the point where he couldn't see how the gospel matters now. How God has given him the power now to say no to sin and yes to righteousness. To live a sacrificial life. See, I'm convinced, guys, when we really understand the appearing, we understand the, the, the revelation that God has given you and me. We're living and all of a sudden, Jesus appears. And now when Jesus appears and all of a sudden, oh my goodness, I, I start understanding grace. I'm married in favor that God has, has, has done something that I, can't, that I don't deserve. My boy, I was with one of my friends uh, uh, yesterday and it was cool. I was really encouraged. He said, hey, e, you know, I, one thing that's been interesting at Mac, I feel like I, you know, my dad was a pastor. I grew up doing a church thing. But man, I'm finally understanding grace. That's appearing. See, grace appears. What do you do with it? See, all of a sudden, Jesus appears, and he begins to show you grace. All of a sudden, you start realizing, oh, I don't have to pay for this, but, but God has given me a new life. Whoa, okay, I don't, have to just, I don't have to be good, but I can just trust the Lord. He starts to, God appears, and he shows you forgiveness. Oh, my goodness, I don't have to hold on to bitterness and anger, but I can, I can forgive because he's forgiven me. God begins to, he appears, and he begins to show you his sovereignty. Oh, I don't need to walk around feeling like I have to figure everything out. But man, God is in control of everything, and he has all things in his hands. So I don't have to live a life of anxiety of being my own demigod. Jesus appears, and he shows you perseverance. Oh, so, man, I, so I thought Christianity was, or, or this life was like, you know, just get mine and kind of live a life of relaxation. But I become a Christian. God appears and I realize, oh, life is about giving my life out as a drink offering. It is about me carrying my own cross. So just as I've seen Jesus have this crazy life of living and dying for everybody, God is asking me to retell that story and live and die for others. Perseverance. Jesus appears and he gives you the grace to have a heart to want to be a persevering saint. When things are hard. Jesus appears and he gives you, he shows you, oh, it's about his glory and not yours. All of a sudden you, you begin to realize, oh, so my whole life, was that, that was me, right? I, life's about me and, and in the flesh it's still about me. But then God appears and I go, oh, so my whole life is about making him known that God created me and then remade me again by his grace so that I can go into the world and show them the measure of God's grace when they see my life. And they go, man, I like how you do this and this is, no, no, that's God being gracious. The epiphany, God revelation, his appearing to us. This is how God appears. This is what he's talking about when he talks about in verse three through six. This whole sense of Jesus appearing. And then here's what happens. It says, and nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. You hear that? Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar and your daughters shall come be carried on the hip. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and exalt. Because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. God going, look, finally, everybody realizing that this is all mine. It should be all mine. A multitude of camels shall cover you. The young camels of Midian and Ephah, all those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense. and shall bring good news, the praises of the Lord. See, that's that, that's that scene. That's that, that's that scene of, of, of God appearing and the result of his appearing. You see that? 
See, the result, when Jesus appears in your life and in my life, when he's revealed in my life and your life, when we recognize that revelation, that's what happens. That's epiphany. When someone's trapped in the darkness of sin and then they see, God gives them the grace to see. See, maybe maybe I'm the only one who's been trapped in the darkness of sin. And then all of a sudden, God gives you the grace to go, oh, I don't need to live life addicted to that. I don't have to be held captive to that. You start to, you, God gives you the grace to finally, me and my boy was hanging out, me and Paul, and we were talking about how, man, like, I grew up, and my family, we didn't communicate as a family. I didn't, I didn't share my feelings. That's a lot of guys in this room right now. We never were trained how to share our feelings. We never sh- and I'm not, I'm not talking about some metrosexual stuff. I'm talking about bibliocentric sharing, Okay. Not Oprah, okay? But I'm talking about when you wrong your wife, admitting it and being a real man. I wasn't taught that. So then I get in a marriage with a godly woman, and she starts calling me out, and I'm like, what's your problem? Can can I tell the gospel up in here? And all of a sudden, God taught me, brought me to a point. That was a revelation. That was God saying, I'm appearing, I'm, I'm continually revealing myself to you and showing you my grace where the man you are right now, you've got that from a comic book. And I'm going re- to help you retell the story of the gospel where when you do wrong people, you can say, sweetheart, here's where I sinned. Acknowledge the sin. And will I, can I repent of that? And experience God's forgiveness and grace from somebody. Something as simple as that has taken me years to even be able to do as a pastor. At some point, God said, I'm going to give you the grace. I'm going to reveal myself to you in this area where you don't even understand. You're embryonic. When you're trapped and then, man, God allows you to believe Jesus in the glory of Christ. When you start going, oh, I'm not God, you're my God. Then God starts saying, cool, now I'm going to start showing you how I'm appearing to you in this area, how I'm revealing myself in this area, how I'm revealing myself in this area. Isn't that our life? And guys, you know what's interesting about it? It's painful and it hurts, but it's also so glorious and joyful. I am embarrassed when I do things that dishonor the Lord And when I act just like a fleshly fool in front of my wife, my kids, and even you. But there's something glorious about redemption. There's something glorious about being able to say, Sandra, you're right. I'm wrong. Yep, that did happen. I'm sorry. There's something glorious about being, about not having to be like the world and say, well, that's what you think. Well, what about you? Blame shifting or, or no, but you don't really like me anyway. Versus no, it ain't about all that. God wants to do work in my life. Well, how is God revealing himself right now? That only, that's only, guys, that's not a, that's only, only the gospel can do that. Well, you start realizing there's a bigger picture here. See, that's why the magi are the focal point of epiphany. Don't you get it? Don't you see that? Think about the story. I read both stories. I want you to think about it. So you think about the story of the Magi. You have the Jews who are the, 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 the preamble. They're the, they're the apex of or what you would think is, is the chosen people of God. And that's what they thought. All right. They have the saviors in their town. A couple minutes, they're from him. The savior of the world. And nobody went to visit him. 
Nobody went to say, hey, can I see the king? They got him down the street. He on Mac and Seminole. And we driving around, going shopping, doing all this stuff, right? And you got homies in Toledo talking about got the tarot cards out, being, being super pagans, worshiping demons, and looking at their palms and looking at the stars and saying, but I think there's something bigger than this stupid stuff I'm doing. And so I, I want to know where the true king is. And guess what? God goes, oh, they want to know. Right? He gave them the grace. Let me, let me give them a little star here. And they walked from Toledo to Seminole and Mac. Now, guess what? They had some stories because I believe that those guys were educated because during the time of the exile, they were in, uh, in, in the book of Daniel, right? The people of God went to Babylon and basically their traditions and things of that sort probably got infused in some of, into some of their stuff. So they knew some of the stories. I believe that's part of the deal, why they knew what to do or what to be about. But here's the cool, here's the cool part. They didn't, know how to, they didn't know how to be Christians. They didn't know how to worship God. They didn't know about the temple. They didn't know any of that stuff. All they knew was that they were messed up. There was a dark place and that a light was dawning. And they wanted to know where that light was. That's hunger, family. You see what God's trying to do in this text here? He's trying to show you and me that unlikely people who absolutely should not have known who Jesus was, should not have even desired to want to know who Jesus was, was more passionate about knowing who Jesus was versus the people who had all the history, who had the books, who had the dude right down the street. That's why it's called the appearing. Because God reveals himself. The question is, do you see? Guess what? He revealed himself to all those guys. The king himself said, hey, when you find a homie, let me know so I can go worship him. They knew about him, but they weren't passionate about going to worship him. I love it. The story is a powerful story. Of God's grace. They made that long trip. You know what's so interesting? I, have you ever had that happen? Here they are, these pagan guys who say a few more things and then we're going to go home. They, they're, they're, they, they've got their, their cards, you know what I'm saying? they got their beads and all the stuff they think they're using to, to, to conjure up stuff. And they're walking and they're thinking, man, we're about to go. You know this place is going to be holy because you know the, that, that Savior dude's there. So you know these people off the chain. They get to, they get here and they're like, man, y'all just as pagan as us. Can you imagine? Have you ever had that happen? Maybe I'm from the, you know, from the hood. I'm like, oh, one thing I learned growing up in the hood in Cleveland is, man, there's hoods everywhere. You think, you think your hood off the chain, you're the only one shooting folk. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Everybody crazy. So they go, they walking in thinking, oh, you think it's going to be all holy. And you know what? I think, it was a, I think it was a breath of fresh air to go, well, man, y'all ain't even trying to find, a, y'all ain't even trying to find Jesus. They probably thought they were looking, well, at least I'm trying to find them, <laughs> you know. I mean, they probably went thinking, can you imagine? They got all the books. They're thinking, man, these guys probably sitting there right now. It's probably, you ever been to the Louvre and try to see Mona Lisa? Man, it's like, it's like a mosh pit. I mean, man, I, I was there. I don't know, maybe, were you on a busy day, sis, when you went? I mean, it was crazy. You got to, you're like graciously trying to elbow cast. And then what really got me, picture like this big. That's a whole nother issue. Made me mad. I'm like, I'm watching the movies and stuff. I'm thinking, I'm be like, Mona Lisa, you know. Thing was like this big. I'm like, that's a Polaroid. But 
You, you, people all up in there, you know, you've got to, excuse me, excuse me, you know, you know, both people and stuff and be all Christian about it. But, you know, you've got to get up in there and do your thing, right? And I'm pretty sure they're thinking, when I get there, I'm pretty, I, don't, I probably won't even be able to see the Savior because I know these people, they know he's there. So it's going to be crazy. And they get there and not a soul. Only those dirty, nasty shepherds. Right? See what God trying to show us there? He just didn't appear to the shepherds. He just didn't appear to the magi. They're the only ones who saw him. See, that's why it's called, you know, in some traditions it's called the Gentile Christmas. Right? The Epiphany is called a Gentile Christmas. You know why? Here's why. And this, let me just close here. The reason why, because God wants to say something to you and me. He wants to remind you and me that Jesus, just like the sun, you know what I love about the sun, sis? I love, it's like, one, it's one of the things in the world, you know, growing up. It's, I love the fact, as an African-American, sometimes I feel like sometimes I get plagued. But I love the fact that the sun shines on a broke person. It shines on a rich person. It shines on a black person. It shines on a white person. It shines on an Indian person. It shines on an Asian person. Right? It shines on a, the skinny person. Right? The sun doesn't go, oh, not you. Right? It shines on everybody. And you know why the picture, I can imagine one of the beautiful things about the writer is that he gives a picture, you, you know, analogies always fall through, but what a beautiful analogy when he says he, he dawns like the sun. Why? Because Jesus says, I shine my truth and I provide the gospel because the gospel is for everybody. Everybody. It's for everybody. That grace is for everybody. The payment of sin is, for, is, is yours for the taking. Isaiah 55 says it's free. It's food that you can't, that you don't, you can't, you can't get enough of. It, it, it satisfies you. And, and it's, but, it, but, it, but you don't have to go in and have to go sell your house for it and stuff. It's free. Gentile Christmas. Cross is for everybody. So, the, so Epiphany, the beauty of it is that no matter, no matter where you are, the cool thing about the sun is that it, 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 you can't stop it from shining, right? And that, and that when it dawns, it just dawns. And, and you got to go find a house or something because there it is. Poof. The beauty about Epiphany is God is saying, guess what? At this beautiful time, when you and I come to Epiphany, he's trying to say one thing to kind of three kinds of people, Right? He's trying to say, hey, so if you, if you have that sun dawning on you right now, praise God. And guess what? Don't keep it to yourself. See, the whole concept of the incarnation is missional. It's missional, family. It ain't just about you getting Jesus. It's about you getting and giving Jesus. That's the whole concept of, of the incarnation. Is that Jesus, as it were, when he comes to give himself as a gift, Right? He's making himself known as a missionary. He's going to the world and saying, I'm going to come and proclaim the good news to you. And I want you to retell the story. And so if you are experiencing that revealing, God is doing that in your life right now. Where you, you become a Christian by grace. You know, you say, oh, I've been saved by grace through faith. Right? God is saying, okay, praise the Lord. Experience that. Enjoy that. Don't hide it under a bushel. 
I want to I challenge you. When you go with your families this week, when you're hanging out with friends, ask the Holy Spirit to remind you to, to say something about Jesus, to make sure that, that, that you experience God's grace, to model Christ, to have an answer for the hope that's within you. Quit playing games. I know I'm a goofy, jokey dude, but guys, this is serious business. He came as a missionary so that you can make Christ known. That is your primary vocation. I don't care what you do. That's your primary vocation. What do you do? You are a kingdom follower and a kingdom proclaimer. You are a missionary. Just like our Savior. And if you have not had, you have not seen it for some reason. You've been going to church. You've been walking past churches. I mean, you're in America. All right? You're you're not in, you know what I'm saying? This is America. Bible's all over the place. Right? I mean, I, I can tell you how many pagan people say Christian things. So we, we got it all messed up. But my point is, God has been revealing himself to you. Just like to me. And I ran for years, so I get it. But man, the whole point of appearing is that only in him will the sun shine on you. Only in him will you experience that freedom. So I'm praying that you would receive it. That you would, you would see his, you would not just be like the, you would not just be like the, the king and all the Jews and kind of know it but not go passionately pursuing it. My prayer is that you would receive Jesus. What does that mean, Eric? Receive Jesus. The Bible tells it, makes it really clear in the scriptures that we're saved, right? By grace, through faith. Grace is unmerited favor, something that we can't earn, that you're, you're, you're sinful, you're messed up. We admit to Jesus, I am evil, and I need you. You're the only perfect one. The scripture says, he who knew no sin became sin on our behalf. And so, Lord, I want to accept the propitiation, what is called the payment, right, is that he paid. He paid for our sin. And then what he did was he, he, he gave us his righteousness, right? So, so he substituted us. Well, I should, have been paid for my, I should have been paying for my sin. Instead, God said, I'm going to pay for your sin. That's why he went on the cross and died on the cross and mutilated death and was murdered. Then what's cool is not just he forgave us of those sins, but then what he does, he imputes. He places, he says, now I'm going to place my righteousness on you. And you go, well, how does all that happen? By faith. He said he'll do it. And that's why we have the incarnation and the murder and the crucifixion and all these things in history. So that we go, well, did he really do it? Yes, he did. So please receive. And then finally, if there's people in here right now where you're like, man, once, once upon a time, yeah, I had that appearing. I had God reveal himself to me. But man, it's been a while now. I just feel sometimes I'm in darkness. I'm just having this period right now where people, they, they think I'm cool, but man, I'm, I'm, I'm angry. I'm tired. I didn't think my life was going to be like this. To give out your narrative. And right now you're just like, man, I want this, I want this sun to shine. I want that gospel of grace in my life. That's what epiphany is about. The beautiful thing about the calendar, guys, It's not just a man-made thing. It's to keep reminding us of the story of our Savior. That when you feel like that, you can go, oh, but epiphany. When you're feeling down and out, you can go, man, I just don't know if I take another time. I'm just going to go and do the worldly thing now because I see all my little friends who don't know Jesus. They're doing all right. God says, oh, but the epiphany. But God appeared. God is real. And he's here. And he's the one that dawns on you. He's the one that's going to do all these things. And you see the results. So my prayer is that you would let the light shine on you.
You will not let the toil of the world and, and the flesh kill your spirit. Oh, I pray for that. Will you allow the saving light of Jesus Christ to, to be your all in all? We're going to do a time of tithing offering, family.